Hi there, it's Nikki. I wanted to take a quick minute to make sure you knew about our free on-demand copywriting training. Whether you're brand new to copywriting or you just can't seem to hit your income goals, this training is for you. You'll learn the three secrets to landing freelance copywriting work without wasting time on frustrating job bidding sites like Upwork and Fiverr or cold calling strangers. And if you've listened to any of the student stories on this podcast, this is the exact same training they all got started with. I'm talking about Kate Kay, who's making six figures working part-time and who just retired her husband to help her run the business. Stuart, who replaced his full-time salary with freelance copywriting work, and then some. Stacy, who hit six figures in six months, her very first year as a full-time freelancer. Ashley, who landed the in-house copywriting job of her dreams. They all started with this free training, and you can get started with that same training too. Sign up right now at freecopywritingtraining.com. What's up, everybody? My name is Brianna Broad, and I'm from Southern Indiana. And my win is I got a full-time copywriting position with benefits after only one week of starting the course. And now here's the show. Welcome to the Build Your Copywriting Business Podcast. My name is Nikki Krawczyk, and I've been a copywriter for more than 15 years. The Filthy Rich Writer team and I are here to give you the tips, tools, and training to help you craft a successful copywriting career of your own. To us, being filthy rich means having a job you love, being good at what you do, and making great money doing it. Let's dig in. Gosh, Brianna, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, please keep us posted on how it's going in the group. Absolutely. Very exciting. Okay, so welcome back, everyone, to the Build Your Copywriting Business Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about roles, as in the people that you will interact with as a copywriter. Now, not in every situation, right, Kate? Yeah, absolutely. So we're talking more about when you're working with you know, whether it's an agency, whether it's a, a, a team at a, a business, not so much when you're working one-on-one with a solopreneur or a small business owner. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is more of, you know, I would say small, mid to large size organization, um, depending on your definition of small. Small business association says small businesses are under 500 employees, which is quite large. So That's, anyway, yeah. This is semantics. Yeah. Um, and two, there have I have worked in scenarios where I'm working with an agency and they just they need a quick copy turnaround, so they just want me to send the copy. Right. So I don't really yeah. get a chance to interact with the agency or the company, which you know, not my favorite, but hey, I'm happy to write the copy for them. But yeah. so this and depends on the project too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I think content writers too will find that maybe they do a little bit less interfacing with some of these roles mm-hmm. versus copywriters where we might encounter this. I'm sure everyone at some point in their career will encounter some, if not all of these roles. Absolutely. And so what we wanted to do today was to make sure you know who the heck these people are when they say, okay, great. You're going to sit down with the project manager. You don't go super, so excited to do that. And then in your head go, who's the project manager? What's a project manager? What does that do? What do I ask them? Do I, do I, do I just sit and listen quietly? Exactly. Get reprimanded? So actually, let's start with the project manager. What is a project manager, Kate? Project managers are some of my most favorite people in an organization, some of the most useful people. And I don't think I quite understood how useful these folks were. Mm -hmm. Bless Um, the project managers. Yes. Yes. So these folks, and I think why I'm so drawn to them is because their brains work 
generally very different than mine. They're a little more organized. They're on top of things. They're the folks that are keeping your project on track. So they are in charge of the full project. So if you're coming in as the copywriter, let's use um, uh, creating a website as an example. Um, you know, there's a lot from the start of that, whether it's an internal website, whether they're interfacing with the client and figuring out, okay, if we need to launch this website by X date, how does everything fit in and how do we make sure we have enough time to review things for revisions, quality control and to check things. And so their minds are really good at taking that big giant project and breaking it down into all the tiny steps and all of the dates that need to get hit to make sure that they hit that end date. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, I've heard it sometimes called uh, a traffic manager, a traffic mm-hmm. coordinator, which is, is basically like, if you think of the idea of a bunch of projects being on a road together, the, the traffic coordinator, the project manager, who's literally managing the project, exactly <laughs> being like, okay, you're, you're going to go through, you're going to pause, all that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. part of what makes it so magical, this role, is because when you are working on multiple projects for a company, like one project can be a lot to manage anyway. You know, the, the project manager will be the person to come through and go, okay, this is falling a little bit behind. Are you still on, are you still on track to get to, you know, to deliver copy by this date, that kind of thing. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you ha- are doing a lot of different projects within the same company, invariably they're going to be, oh, this project needs to be done right away. And, but we're mm-hmm. also still working on this project and you, ha- you're writing both of these, but obviously you're just one human being and the, the project manager that the, the traffic manager, you can come to them and say, okay, I'm one person, which is more important. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do first? And they'll go back and figure it all out. And they will also come to you and say, okay, you know, you, you, your deadline for this is still is here. Is that still doable? They, all of this chaos that is going on sometimes with multiple projects, they like, they calm it all down. Mm-hmm. They, they help you prioritize. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's a fantastic position. Um, and it's the same thing too. Is sometimes they will bring you details of a project. If it's, if it's a small project, they're not doing a full kickoff on it because maybe it's an iteration of something else. They give you the details. And if you're like, I don't know what that is, or this is something new to me, can you go back and get that information? they will do it because they want to make sure that you can move along and get that work done. Yeah. And often they'll be the ones coordinating and setting those meetings to make sure everyone's on the same page. Say, okay, I think we need to regroup and let's get in the room with the designer and you. And often if they attend some of these meetings, sometimes they won't, sometimes they will. Um, But they're very good at kind of deciphering what everyone's saying and making sure, you know, you don't just leave the meeting and say, okay, we're good. And they say, no, like let's, here's next steps. Here's what needs to happen. Um, And they're very good at kind of like you said, putting that order to the chaos. Um, and just like, you know, Nikki mentioned, they can say, hey, are you, this is still the date that we need you to hit. Can you still make it? These are the folks you're going to want to go to if you're feeling like, ooh, time crunch. Can I get an extra date? Do we have flexibility in the schedule to give myself another half day or Mm, the internal review for this project is on this date. Can we do it the following morning or whatever it is? You're going to want to communicate with them with those types of scheduling questions and raise your hand sooner rather than later. So if you kind of see in the future that this might be a problem, 
go to them and have that conversation so that you can make sure everything's on track and they can get another resource if needed. You know, I think none of us like to raise our hand and say, we're overloaded. We like to say, nope, we can do it all. I can tackle it. Like, don't worry. Um, when what's best for the organization is to, to have that, I want to say vulnerability. I don't know if that's, that's quite, it's more Just of an extreme word. Honesty, right? Yeah. Like it's- yeah. And self-knowledge. Yeah. It's not going to make you look bad at all. I think people are going to all be grateful that you raised your hand and said, nope, I need some, I need someone to kind of help out on this pinch hit. Well, and likely if you're feeling it, that maybe other people on the team may be feeling it as well. And so maybe you also want to loop in the creative director, that kind of thing. But yeah, absolutely. Never be afraid to talk with your, your project manager, your traffic manager to, to make sure that it can all stay on track. Yeah. Absolutely. And then they can identify, you know, if they need another copywriter to, to write some piece of the project to help you out, they can have more time to figure out who that person would be. Mm-hmm. Okay. So product manager sounds a lot mm-hmm. like project manager. Very, very different. Um, what does a product manager do, Kate? Yeah. And as we mentioned before, it you're not always going to have all these people. So product manager might not be someone I would say right off the bat versus project manager. You're probably going to interact with them sooner rather mm-hmm. than later. Um, product manager, they're in charge of doing kind of figuring out the strategy for whatever product it is you're selling. So if let's use a website again, as an example, um, if they feel like this website maybe needs, they want to test different buttons on the website to see if that improves the click through rates and the, or, you know, say it's a purchase page, see if it improves the purchase just by changing the button, maybe the color, maybe the style. Um, They're always looking for ways to improve whatever it is that they are in charge of, whatever product it is. Mm -hmm. So it might be a full brand. It might be, you know, um, what else could it be? I mean, it could be a a literal product, you know, If if it's a toy company, they might be in charge of like the Sally sleeps a lot brand. <laughs> this is why the, the, yeah. nobody ever was like, you should design toys. Um, <laughs> but they're in charge of Sally sleeps a lot. And they're in charge of like, okay, well, we're going to roll out a Sally sleeps a lot duvet set. And so we, we have to kick off the project and, um, and they're in charge of giving you all of the input of, okay, well, we need a, we're going to need a landing page for the Sally sleeps a lot. We're going to need new mm-hmm. packaging for Sally sleeps a lot the duvet set. Um, I really, I I guess I really want to sleep in this weekend, I guess. Not a very fun toy if it just sleeps a lot. <laughs> you just poke at her, try to wake her up, but she doesn't. She just sleeps a lot. Um, but so the, the product manager owns, manages the, the product. And again, it could be a literal physical product. It could be a website or it could be a portion of a website. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a very, like Amazon, for example, is a massive yeah. website. I guarantee they that they've got product managers. hundreds, if not maybe even thousands of product yeah. managers, but who all own, not own, but who, who manage their own small portion of it. You know, like I'm yeah. sure, sure there's, there might be multiple le- levels of product managers at the place like Amazon, but you know, someone I'm sure is in charge of the affiliate pages mm-hmm. and the affiliate program and someone else and is Alexa. in charge of exactly and um, the music and then the Amazon fresh and all the exactly. different products. I think it's sometimes, you know, I like the Sally sleeps a lot for a physical product. I think it's sometimes a little harder to wrap your head around a product being all of these less tangible things like 
a portion of a website um, or a digital product. But mm -hmm. if you can start thinking about it like that, that's, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely real helpful. So if you have a question, I think that's a good, you know, if you're in an organization that maybe has layers of a, of a website, let's use Amazon again. If you have a question about Amazon Fresh or an idea, I guess, say you have an idea, you say, oh, what if we we tried this? This could be a really good way to, you know, send an email about this new thing that we're doing. You'd want to go to the specific product manager that's in charge of whatever idea you have, whatever mm -hmm. kind of vertical that you want to pitch your, yeah. your thoughts. Absolutely. So the Which, product, oh, so sorry, no, I was going to say that I feel like they, they would welcome that. I think, you know, sometimes as copywriters, we like to stay in our lanes and just execute on our tasks and say, okay, we take what, you know, the creative brief from, from these folks and say, okay, I'm just going to go execute. Here's the copy. But again, if you're looking for a way to be a really great partner to whatever organization you're working in, then definitely raise those ideas as you come up with them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Completely agree. Um, so usually the product manager is not always, it depends a little bit on how this, the organization is structured, but the product manager is probably going to be the one doing the kickoff. Mm -hmm. um, it, if it's for changes to the product or something like that. Um, so if they want, they want to test new copy lines on a landing page or something like that, they'll be leading the kickoff and they'll be that key stakeholder, the person who, when you're presenting your work, you'll be presenting it to that product manager and they'll be giving you feedback and working with you and all that kind of thing. Now, marketing manager. And when we say manager, know that it could also be like director and same thing with product, um, but marketing manager, kind of like the other side to that coin, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're going to be looking at things like uh, branding first and foremost, you know, especially when it comes to you and your design partner coming up with something and making sure whatever you come up with is in line with the brand guidelines and matches kind of what they want to show to the world. Um, but those folks also might be the ones that kind of pinpoint areas that you might not have thought of, of like, ooh, here's why we don't want to use this language or here's why we you know, need to shift this idea because the perception of our audience, if they saw this, mm -hmm. um, yeah. they're going to be folks that you might ask a lot of questions to, depending on, you know, if you have a creative director, they might be the folks you go to first for, for creative questions. But, you know, if you have a higher level strategy question of why this is happening or what we're doing and how it fits into the bigger picture of the business, you might go to your marketing manager and, mm -hmm. and kind of dig deeper to understand what the project's purposes. Yeah. And they're thinking in terms of branding and promotion. So mm -hmm. it's also completely conceivable that a marketing manager could kick off a project if, for example, there is a new website and the product owner, product manager manages that website. So they might be included in the kickoff, but the marketing manager says, okay, we've got a new website. So we need to put together some promotional elements. We need to email our current uh, our current list of subscribers to tell them about this new website. We need to um, we need to create some promotional elements. We need to create some banner ads. We need to all kinds of things. So when it comes to promotional product projects, <laughs> promotional projects, uh, the marketing manager is going to be in charge of those kinds of projects, and um, the marketing manager and the product manager kind of have to work hand in hand. Um, they have to be it, it's beneficial if they're kind of friendly and they, they understand each other's objectives um, because the in a, in a promotional project, the 
marketing manager, so many words with the same beginning letters, promotional project, the marketing manager Mm -hmm. is going to really own that and be the key stakeholder. But they're probably also going to want input from the product manager. And the project product manager is savvy, when they're kicking something off, they might loop in the marketing manager too, just to get their take on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then next, um, and again, this is not in order of importance. This is not even necessarily who you're going to work with in what order. We're trying to stick to that, but it's a little bit tricky because you work with a lot of people at once. Um, But a UX designer, what does UX stand for, Kate? Oh, yes, user experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes you'll see UI, which is user interface. And I feel like those two things are slightly different, but, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of in similar worlds. But UX designer might be, if one exists for the project, and oftentimes they might not, but if they do, so to use the website example again, they might wireframe out how this web page or entire website, if they're doing a website, mm-hmm. is going to look. So they might create... Oh, and Kate, what's a wireframe? Oh, yes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I know. I forget lingo that I just know now. Um, wireframe, ooh, how would... It's it's like an outline, I guess, for the site. So it's it's a very... If you stripped all of the the words and the images into put it into grayscale, mm-hmm. you could see the navigation. You know, at the top that has the home about mm-hmm. whatever navigation in the menu, and then the header, and it would have lorem ipsum text, which is literally lorem ipsum <laughs> spelled out, and then you know exactly. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's to your point, Kate. It looks kind of like boxes on a page, or yeah just frames the frame if you think of it as kind of like a gallery wall right but there's nothing in in the frames yet it's this sec this section here is where we'll put a sign up this section here is where we'll put a header this section here is where we'll put a call out to whatever else or this section is going to have a button and a link and and especially with a more complicated website um you know, to go back to an Amazon or something. Can you imagine how complicated it is to design those websites? So it's kind of like going in with a map and then you and your designer will go in and fill in those sections. And then too, yeah. there's the uh, a UX designer may help you with understanding where they go when they, when they take out, when they click a button or even on a page, sometimes there are interactions that happen on a page, you know, say for example, you are, um, you're using something that lets you like mock up your living room, right? Um, maybe mock up is a little bit technical too, but, but I got new furniture for my basement. I was like, I don't even know how to figure out what this looks like. So, um, I found a program that lets me kind of move a sofa in and move it. That's a lot happening on that page. And there were a lot of buttons for me to use. So a UX designer thinks through, okay, this button does this and this button does this. And that all happens on, that can all happen on one page. So a UX designer really helps you think through all of the the entire user experience, which yes, it probably should be UE, um, but in the industry, it's UX. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like a blueprint. Like you, you were mentioning, you know, the house, the sofa analogy here. Mm-hmm. So if you think of it like living room, bathroom, kitchen, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you know what content's going to go where. So you, you don't have to figure out, well, what do I have to say? And where do I have to say it? You kind of know. Mm-hmm. Here's where our value proposition's going. Here's where we're going to talk a little bit about our story. Here's where we're going to talk about this product and why it's so great. 
Um, so it's really helpful if you do have one of those folks mm-hmm. on the team. Yeah. Um, and then if you don't, totally fine. More on you a little bit. So factor that into your time, whether you know that someone's going to be kind of wireframing this out for you, or if not, then you're going to kind of want to do an outline for yourself and really figure out. And quite frankly, for a project like that, like a website, you wouldn't do this necessarily for every type of project, but a bigger project like a website, do an outline say, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking headline here. I'm thinking this section will talk about this. This section will talk about this. And this one will talk about this. And we'll have here where the CTAs might be throughout and get that signed off by your client first so that you don't spend a ton of time writing a whole website to have them say, oh, no, we want to talk about this here and we want to talk about this here. If you can nail down, I would say if you know what you want to say where, it makes it a lot easier to then go and do how you want to say it. Mm-hmm. Fill um, it in. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So that that strategy and the thought process is going to take you probably just as long as actually writing it. Um, mm-hmm. And your designer might be able to help with that out with that as well. So you might sit down with them and say, hey, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. But often I find the designers let the copy kind of guide the how the content is going to be laid out. Yeah. Um, and before we get to designer, I think that's a really great point that I, I want to make sure we uh, emphasize um, is that you don't have to wait until the first creative review to go back yep. and ask questions or to show an outline if you're not completely positive of the messaging, that kind of thing. Obviously, you want to get as much information in that kickoff as you possibly can. But there are going to be times when you kind of don't know everything until you start digging in and pulling stuff out. And like you were saying, Kate, if you create essentially an outline of where, what messaging and where you think it will go, and you think, I, th- I think this is it, but I don't want to go do too far down that road. Then you check in with your with the product manager, or with the marketing manager, depending on the project, and say, "Hey, I just wanted to have you take a look at this and just make sure before I start fleshing out all the copy for this that this makes sense. This is not the actual copy." Um, little tip: you often have to rem- uh, remind people of that. If you show anybody any words that's not the actual copy, you They're have to you say to them, yeah. "Yes." They're going to be like, yeah, I don't like this. This, No, no, no. Yeah. This is not the actual copy. That's what I wouldn't even write copy if you can help it. Just say headline here. And then mm-hmm. this is what this yeah. will be about. This will speak to and do it. Literally exactly. type out sentences. Headline about benefit to. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, so your designer, I think designer is probably a little bit clearer. Uh, and we even recorded a whole podcast episode about it. Um, so we definitely recommend you go check out check that out. Uh, we recorded it with um, one of our friends, Yoav, who Kate and I both had the opportunity to work with. He's a fantastic designer and gives a lot of uh, insight in that episode. Um, but your designer, and I should say your designers, uh, potentially, because mm-hmm. there are often more designers on a team than there are copywriters. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the last in-office jobs I had, it was me and then four, I say four and a half because one was, you know, part-time contract. So that's a lot of design to copy ratio. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, you know, the thing is, is that in general, there's a lot of, a lot of designer to copywriter ratio, but there is usually so much more that needs to be designed for a couple of pieces of, of copy. Now, I'm not at all saying that design is harder or that you can, we all know that those couple of lines of copy can be 
hard to write. And sometimes it's hard to write stuff, even if it's hard, harder to write stuff that's shorter. Um, but yeah, the, the ratio often works out that there are more designers than there are copywriters. There are some scenarios where that's a little bit different. If it's a very copy heavy, um, a very copy heavy company or, or something along those lines, but generally you'll find that you have more designers, but that's kind of fun because then you get to work with different designers on different projects. Yeah, absolutely. And then above that, creative director. Yes. This is generally, if there one exists, they'll probably be the person you're reporting to. Um, they'll also be a great resource. They can generally, I would say, I would love a stat on this. If more are come from an art director background oh, or more come from a cop background. That's what I think. Occasionally you'll find a creative director that has a copy background. I think that's way more rare. I don't have the data behind it. We'll look it up and we'll see if we can, we mm-hmm. can add it to the, mm-hmm. the resource section. But anyway, so Regardless, these will be folks that can see the big picture, have probably, you know, think of things that maybe you wouldn't have. They'll be giving you the first round of feedback and frankly, even the second round of feedback, Mm -hmm. depending on the project before you get to the creative review with the other stakeholders we mentioned, like the marketing manager, the product manager, and they'll push it to a place that frankly, you don't want to push it to you on your own and can't push it to on your own. Um, so for folks, I know the first time you might get some, some feedback where you're like, Oh, I didn't knock it out of the park on the first try. That's what they're there for because otherwise some of the best things you see wouldn't have gotten to the place that you that they got to. You can only do so much, I was going to say alone, but even with a designer, there's only so much you can do. And the more minds you bring into a project, the better it's going to come. Exactly. Some of the, the best pieces in your portfolio will come from working with a good creative director. When you turn in work and they're like, okay, great. Let me see more options. Okay, yeah. great. Let me see more options. Okay. And you're mm-hmm. like, how can I just did like three rounds of options for you? And mm-hmm. then it's on that fourth, fourth round that you're like, oh, this is so good, yeah. you know? But um, and to your point, it, I do find that more creative directors come from a design background than a copy background. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why that, probably just because there are more designers out there than there are copywriters, ratio-wise. Um, but a good creative director, even if they come up in a, even if they have a design background, by the level of, by the time they get to the creative director level, they they have a good understanding of copy and they can give good feedback on copy. Um, and remember too, it's a creative director. So they're not often going to hop in and actually like redesign something or rewrite something. That's not really their role. And I've had some good creative directors that have come from a copy background too. Um, and they have a really great master of copy, but still have a good understanding of design. So they can give feedback on both of them. Um, You're going to find they ask a lot of questions. Hey, have you thought about this? Have you tried this? Often it won't be prescriptive. You know, if they're good and they're pushing you to, you know, they're not going to say, hey, how about you change this to this color? Maybe they will. Um, but, or if you change, they're not going to write the copy for you is all that's to say. Mm-hmm. They're going to give you questions that you need to go back. And I think there's a temptation to go back and immediately rewrite it, rewrite it. Here it is and present it. Take your time when you get that feedback from them. It's it's meant to think and really go back to the concepting phase, even if you have to, to say, okay, I have this here. They asked this question. What if I approached it from a completely different angle? So 
take your time when they when they ask those sorts of things. And and again, I think there's an instinct too to answer them to say, hey, have you thought about this? Well, yeah, I did, but here's why this is this. Approach it more of, yeah, I considered this with this, but maybe I can go back and let me let me think on this a little bit more and see if I can push it further. Mm-hmm. And you might also have beyond the creative director, uh, an associate creative director, an ACD. And so generally you might find there are actually more copywriters in these roles. You might have a, a copywriter ACD, you might have a design ACD. And so these folks can really help you kind of refine and still push you kind of in, in certain ways as the creative director. They're not going to have the ultimate kind of decision-making authority over the creative, but they will be able to kind of... they're. They're in this in-between thankless role. I really appreciate ACDs because I feel like they take a lot from, from the CD and potentially, you know, if you're in an agency, the, the account folks and um, the, the, which we can get to product folks and just taking a lot of input um, and then kind of working with the creative team to, to make the best thing possible. So they're, they're in a very thankless position in that they kind of don't have full power, but they're also not necessarily executing like you are. And they're just in this in between. So yeah. um, great resource though, to again, push you to get that creative to a better place to get you to think about things you might not have thought about. Absolutely. And you will tend to see ACDs on bigger teams. And part of the reason mm-hmm. is when you have a team of like 10, 15 people, um, as will happen at bigger companies, they can't all report to the creative director. The creative director can't possibly give feedback on that. So the ACDs exist to give you that initial round of feedback. And sometimes they will take on, they'll manage projects for themselves. It depends on the creative director, it depends mm-hmm. on the size of the team, the way the organization works. Um, but it's, it's uh, you know, think of it, it's, it's a manager and an assistant manager and the assistant manager has their team underneath them. Um, but yeah, the, a good ACD can, can help you learn just as much as a as a creative director, especially a really good ACD that has a copy background. Um, if the creative director has a little bit more of a design background, um, they might even be able to to give you to help you grow grow your skills even a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And I think these folks are really good sometimes too at getting you as a copywriter to kind of understand the business implications of what you're working on. I think a lot of times creative teams want to be as creative as possible. Um, And by creative, we don't always mean clever again or funny or anything like that. But you want to just kind of do what you think the best project is possible. And then sometimes they kind of have to be the bearer of bad news in the sense of reining you in and explaining, well, here's why from a business perspective, we don't want to go that route. Even if you feel like, oh, but this is so cool. And this is such like this, if, if the client would just let us put this out, like it would perform so well, Uh, but you're managing a lot of humans and a lot of different thoughts. And so sometimes they're, they're really good at kind of making sure that yes, it's the best possible, but also meets the objectives of whoever you're ultimately delivering it to. Exactly. Um, And then actually, before we leave the creative team to talk about other roles, you might work with other copywriters. There are certainly teams that are big enough that have multiple designers and multiple copywriters. Yeah. And depending on how they structure it too, you might have a junior copywriters, senior copywriters, a copy manager potentially, which I feel like copy manager, ACD, depending on the organization, it might be a similar-ish role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, you know, you might report to another copywriter or you might have to collaborate with other copywriters on a certain project. You know, if you have a really big project that needs to get done, you might all be responsible for coming up with a, a concept for it 
And then each person kind of, okay, you're going to write the banner ads and you, we needed this landing page. So you're on that. And so you're all then, yes, you're hopefully working from one concept that you're all very familiar with, but it all still has to hang together. And so you're going to want to really talk closely with all of them. And obviously, if you're not working on a project with them, still using them as a resource to, to bounce ideas off of. Um, and, you know, in any organization, I think when you're kind of all, hey, I'm a copywriter and you're a copywriter, there's that chance for like competition and, and feeling oh. like, oh, but I want to be better than you. And but the more that you can see each other as as colleagues and as collaborators and all working toward the same thing, the better both of your projects are going to come out, both of your careers are going to yeah. progress. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so much fun. And I do kind of miss this doing more freelance work now, but it's so much fun to be working on a line and be like, think this might do it and then go to your you know your copywriting buddy and and within the organization your copywriting peer and say hey what do you think of this and or even like this I'm totally stumped by this help me see this from a different angle still on the copy side but but help me see this help me think this through do you have 20 minutes to pop into a conference room and we can just do some do some concepting do some brainstorming um it's yeah I think I, I agree that I think there's that tendency, especially if someone is a newer copywriter and maybe hasn't had the opportunity before to think like, Ooh, am I competing with them for work? Am I competing with them for projects? Um, no, you're really, you're really not. It's more than anything else. It's a really great opportunity to, to work with someone who gets what you do, which is amazing. Yeah. And to push you to be better. And so you're both kind of coming from different perspectives and sharing these different, bring different experiences to the table to the same project, potentially. How cool that you can then learn and, and grow from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to share one example of a great reason that a copy team can be so helpful before, you know, other folks catch little mishaps. So I don't know if you remember this, Nikki, but this was back when I worked for you, still work for you, but you know what I mean? 10 years ago, plus now. Um, and we were writing, it was about some hotel and it was in somewhere out West in the Rockies during winter ski season. So I wrote a line like white powder served on a silver spoon or something like that. <laughs> and at the time, I think neither of us caught it. And I, so I like turned it in. You were like, oh, this is super fun. Yeah. Cause it was all about skiing and it was all like snow and powder and you know, woo skiing. Other copywriters on the team immediately had that reaction. Clearly less um, innocent copywriters. Yeah. Like, hello. (laughs) And there were a couple of our lines I remember on that team where we wrote them. People were like, "Mm, you missed that really weird undertone and connotation. And that could be taken this way. And it was like, oh, duh. Like, not Mm. what I meant. Um, Clearly not what what you meant. meant. Um, But it was really nice to have folks catching that before then presenting it to the rest of the team and having people be like, really, this got through how many layers and now you're presenting it to us as the final copy. And yeah, yeah, that's the thing is the more, the more I always love the stories about, um, I always love the stories about stuff that gets through that shouldn't have like the, the Chevy Nova, um, the car from many, many years ago, but they, they, uh, released it in the States and they also released it, I think it was in Mexico, maybe some other Spanish speaking countries, but they released the Chevy Nova, but they never checked it with any of the Spanish speaking. I assume it must have had some Spanish speaking people on the team. They also didn't check it with any of the, um, any of the dealerships down there because in Spanish, 
Nova, Nova means doesn't go, <laughs> which is exactly what you don't want your car to say. Welcome to our new car. It or introducing our new car, it doesn't go. It's probably um, a fancy uh, flower planter now that sits in your yard. Yeah, I mean, obviously it would it would go, but it would be like, yay, United States. Here's here's the Kia, and the new Kia model name is sits in your yard. Um, yeah, so that's the things that having more people on your team are more opportunities to catch stuff and come up with better ideas and, and challenge each other. And it's, it's such a great opportunity to work with a, a great, and not just the creative team, but like good, good project managers, good product managers, good marketing managers. Um, and then also too, on some um, some tech teams, you might even get an opportunity to work with some of the developers, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You might say, oh, I have this idea for like, a website where, oh, can this, does this functionality work? Like if we had someone click this, can this happen? And this changes color and this, you know, not that wild, but knowing what the possibilities are and being able to ask that person, hey, is this doable? Could we, could we do this? How cool would this be if this was the user experience? And like your, your couch scenario can can we drag this and have people able to drag and drop things on this page and mm-hmm. if so that might change the copy too slightly if if it's if that's the functionality you want to make sure the copy then speaks to what they can do hey drag and drop to look at your new living room mm-hmm. plug in your your dimensions of your basement and and see what you can do um so that'll knowing what the capabilities are will allow you to then a, come up with a better final product, but B, make sure the copy then matches what the experience is. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the more people looking at a product slash project from different angles, the better it can be. And the more collaborative, I mean, you and I have been very fortunate to work in companies that very much encouraged collaboration that were, that was, you know, that was regular regular, it was common um, that we would go and collaborate with developers or be like, hey, so what do we think about this? Could that be a thing? And, um, which you don't necessarily see in every organization, but uh, it's, it's so beneficial. And I would say too, um, in general, don't be afraid to ask or to get to know people or, yeah. you know, because it, it, it can only benefit you. It can only benefit the projects if if you have a good relationship with all of these different people that are that who who will touch this project at some point, yeah. And the one other one which I mentioned earlier, the account manager, which I realized we kind of skipped over at the beginning. But these are folks that say only in an agency, any any organization where you're working with external clients. So the account person is going to be in charge of really interfacing with that client. And sometimes you'll be all in meetings together and you will hopefully get a chance to talk with the client and the account person will be there. But the account person often works even more closely with with the client um, and will translate, hey, the client mentioned this. Here's what I think that means for this project. And, you know, sometimes clients don't like telling the creative team something directly. They don't want to be the bearer of bad feedback. And so that account person might have to be the the one that kind of plays that middleman role. Yeah. And let's actually talk about an in-house creative team versus an an agency creative team. Mm -hmm. So an agency creative team is what Kate, um, is what Kate was just describing. They, Mm -hmm. they do work 
for other companies. So the, the agency's whole purpose is to do work for other companies. That's your like your madman kind of company. That's your your um, I'm trying to think of, of big White and Kennedy. Exactly. Your your Ogilvy. All those big names mm-hmm. that you hear. Exactly. Um, those and smaller too. There's certainly plenty of small marketing agencies or small ad agencies, but they, they don't do work for themselves and they may periodically do like, I don't know, an ad for themselves, but all of their work is for external clients. Um, an in-house team though is a little bit different. You still have a lot of the same people except for maybe the, uh, The the account person. Um, but they work within a big company for the, um, to do the creative work for that big company. So a company like a company like Target, for example, I, I know that they also hire external agencies often to do like their TV spots, that kind yeah. of thing. But I also guarantee that they have an internal team that does like signage and does the circulars and does and potentially even their, their website as well. So you can be, uh, you can have an agency position. You can work out of, out, out of the house. I think, I think I might be making that up. Um, but then house, I've only been doing this for house. 20 years. Yeah, right. Um, maybe I just really want to get out of the house. Um, yeah. But you can work in an external team. That's what I was meant to say. Um, an external team and a, an agency. Or you can work on an internal team. You can work in-house within a company. So those, you're not necessarily, I think people think like, oh, working as a copywriter, I have to be working at an agency. And that's not necessarily the case. I mean, Kate and I have done have done both. We've worked in-house, we've worked um, at external agencies, and they both have um, pros and, and cons. And we freelance with both, mm-hmm. too, we freelance I should say, both. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So that's another good point. Don't make assumptions <laughs> about internal agencies would never hire a freelance or external agencies would never oh, they hire will. a freelance. They absolutely will. They absolutely yeah. will. And you would still, even if you're not on the team, good agencies that are working with freelancers make you feel part of the team and make you feel like... Uh, I shouldn't say make you feel like you do end up working with a lot of these roles then because they want that same experience. I think the more that we're siloed and detached, and I know you probably see that word a lot of like silos and how bad they are, because the more that you can communicate with people and you're not just off on your own, which yes, a lot of the work will be done off on your own, but the more that you can collaborate with these folks and the more that you understand not just the project, but the whole how it fits into the whole marketing plan, business plan, the better then your work will be because you'll have a greater understanding of how your one piece fits into this big picture. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Collaboration is the name of the game. And now, yep. hopefully, after this episode, you feel much more prepared uh, to to collaborate with these people and you know what you're getting into and you know who you're meeting with and exactly what they do. So. That's what we've got for you. And for more, catch us back on the next episode. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on the Build Your Copywriting Business podcast. If you liked what you heard, I'd really appreciate it if you could take a minute or two to leave us a five-star review. I read each one and they mean the world to me and our team. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to keep learning, follow us at Filthy Rich Writer across social media and on the site. And of course, if your interest is piqued and you think copywriting might be right for you, check out our free on-demand video training at www.freecopywritingtraining.com. Talk to you next time.